watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine I am Scarlett And I'm Katie we're your animates, and welcome to an adventurous episode uh, where our topic this week is looking at some cartoons of our childhood and determining which ones would best be turned into a tabletop RPG game. Uh, we discussed this a little bit uh, when we uh, were guests on the uh, What's New Barkeep show, um, and the idea kind of stuck with us that there's just a lot of cartoons that we grew up with uh, that are just really ripe to be turned into a Dungeons and Dragons style role-playing game. Um, mm -hmm. As Katie and I have discussed on this show before, uh, we both play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, some of us are better at it than others. I I'm not very good. I have fun, but I'm not good. Um, she says this having just like homebrewed and written a campaign. I'm just here to do the math. Yeah, that I required Katie to come in and do the math for because numbers viscerally terrify me. So like, and writing viscerally terrifies me. We're helping each other out with our weaknesses. I literally just wrote fan fiction and threw my deranged scribbles at Katie and said, make work, make game thing. I am realizing this This is definitely fan fiction. It's absolutely huh. fan fiction. And I our never friends grew out of that phase of my life, clearly. So when are we doing a Penguins of Madagascar one shot? One day. But that might, you know what? Okay, if we're get if we're getting into it, if that's, you, you know what? A fun format of this would be to propose a show to each other and see what kind of role play game we come back with. Okay. Well, so first, Candy Penguins in Madagascar. I think that would be a pretty fun role playing game. I can already tell you how you can adjust it to a current system to make it work. Uh, describe it. I, you could just take Honey Heist. We've done Ooh. that. That's to a those really who, good idea. To those who don't know, Honey Heist is a game where you are bears that can talk to each other, but not humans. You dress up as humans and you attempt to steal honey um, from the real world. We have played it. As, it's a very good chaos game. Um, and our producer, Rachel, also reskinned it to be ducks at one point. Red bandits. We, red bandits. And we did assault Paul Hollywood in assault that Paul session. And it's really changed the way I watch Great British Banking Show. It absolutely has for me too, and it's probably an issue. But yeah, I feel right. I think that's a really brilliant idea, Katie. This is this is dear audience. This is why we we need Katie on this show, and like you know, on all shows, obviously, because God knows I could not do this without them. But like specifically this one, because of your encyclopedic knowledge of all role playing games. Um, but yeah, like the I feel like Penguins of Madagascar, from what I remember of it, from when I was a hashtag big name fan. Um, a cool a cool aspect of all of them is that they all kind of had their own gadgets and gear. Um, not unlike the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, perhaps. Uh, they had a cool car that they rode around the zoo in. Um, they, they you've all got the driver, you've got you've got the MacGyver, you've got the other thing that I'm forgetting right now, who does the gadgets. Yeah, I, I forget the Q, names of the Q. Players. Yeah, but they, but you know, because they're like function as like a James Bond kind of commando team, they do kind of all have their their own features that would be fun to be player characters for. Like you have your leader, you have your weapons dude, you have your smart guy, you have your cute like be a distraction guy. Um, 
Private has weaponized cuteness in Penguins of Madagascar. That's like a thing in like later episodes is that like he is so cute he deals psychic damage. And then like- Again, I really think it fits into the honey heist thing because I, you have your descriptors of rookie, washed up, retired, unhinged, slick, and incompetent. You could throw cute in instead for one of them. You've got your roles as muscle, brains, driver, hacker, thief, and face. You also can switch up the penguin types. Throw in those macaroni penguins, those emperor penguins. I know a lot about penguins. Wait, what are macaroni penguins? You don't know what macaroni penguins I are? don't know. I don't know a macaroni. Clearly, I'm a fake penguin fan. Macaroni penguins, I believe, yeah, are the ones with the, like, little eyebrow hairs, the yellow eyebrow hairs. Well, like the guy from, uh, the guy from Surf's Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guy from yeah. Surf's Up. Those are macaroni penguins. The hit movie starring Tony Hawk, yeah. Tony Hawk's, I love Tony Hawk for some reason. I became a- Oh, you should watch it, Surf's Up. It stars Tony I, I Hawk. I have. At some point in my childhood, I just went, yeah, who doesn't love Tony Hawk? I never knew this about you, Katie, but now, like, I, this sounds right. To the like, audience, I cannot skateboard. I have tried. I am bad yeah, at it. A different thing. This one doesn't have Tony Hawk. I thought Tony Hawk was in this. Am I, I was think Tony I'm, Hawk in Happy Feet? No, I, I did. I just like Mandela effect this. I could have sworn there was a Tony Hawk Penguin movie. Tony Hawk Penguin movie. Um, you really did. You faked this. This is real. How did I manage to do that? Okay. Are you thinking about the fact that there's an Ethan Hawke movie with Batman movie that has had the villain is the penguin? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I might have just completely Mandela affected this. So you're seeing this in real time, audience. I was like very convinced for some reason that Tony Hawk was the star of this movie and is very clearly not. He was the star who's, of this movie. Yeah, who's the star oh, of Shia LaBeouf, who is as far from Tony Hawk as I think a single person could get. Yeah, now I'm going to look at the whole cast and see if Tony Hunk was any character. We are, we are very off topic at this point. What's um, the point of this show if we're not? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for getting anyone's hopes up in the audience, I assume. that You got someone... my hopes up. I, and I'm very sorry for that, Katie. Yeah, Tony Hawk's not in Surf's Up. And don't know why I thought this is like a very weird Mandela effect thing because like I could have sworn when that movie was coming out that there was like promotional stuff on Nickelodeon with like Tony Hawk doing rad skateboard moves talking about being in the movie I um, think that's just Tony Hawk yeah wait maybe he just like did promotional stuff for it and that's why I don't We're, know we'll never know is the thing we will never know how I I, I prefer to think that I just came here from an alternate universe where Tony Hawk starred in Surf's Up. And like, is that a better or worse universe? Just wondering. I mean, Katie, could it be worse? No. Okay. So do yes. we have the multiverse in our time machine? No, our time machine can only go on this current timeline, unfortunately. Dang it. All right. Pitch me a show. I'll come up with something. Okay, well, so, well, we're not pitching shows. Remember, we're pitching RPGs. I know we, we've gone well, off. Oh, yeah, topic. pitch me a show to make an RPG. Um, my, my, the one that I kept coming back to, um, and kind of for not dissimilar reasons uh, to uh, uh, The Penguins of Madagascar, uh, we were discussing this the other day, but I, I feel like Kids Next Door would be a really fun RPG to play. 
Um, and yes. part, part of the reason, the reason it kind of stuck with me uh, is because last time we were talking about it, uh, we were talking about how they sort of vacillate in the show between are our main five band of heroes, are they like the leaders of the organization, the kids next door, which is sort of how it was portrayed in the earlier episodes, uh, or are they scrappy underdogs who everyone looks down on in the organization, they have to prove themselves, uh, which is sort of what it started being in some of the later episodes. Um, and that really reminded me of how like a lot of parties in D&D work. Like you, I feel like it's very frequently when you're you are like simultaneously the coolest group of badasses who have destroyed world ending threats but like also every time you walk into a small town they're like ah who are these scrappy little mercenaries you think you can handle the big guns like i feel like that dichotomy is like so so very true to D&D and it's also 100% what they were doing with uh with kids next door just whatever the plot demanded mm-hmm. um but also you get a lot of really cool special moves for each different character. Um, you don't have to nece- necessarily play the specific characters. Like you can just give random numbers and the way that you premise that you start is you are a child between the ages of nine and 12, I want to say, is like the average age of a kid next door kid. Uh, they're probably all mostly 10 if I had to put a fine point on it. Um, and you are limited to two by four technology um you got a lot of cool slingshots and stuff uh and your villains are just like adulthood things uh go like i feel like you it could simultaneously be super badass like i wouldn't necessarily want to honey heist this kind of thing like i think like play it legit but like Mm -hmm. you could also have some really fun creative villains well don't worry i've come up with the i feel like now you're gonna pitch what you want and i'm gonna come up with the system that's best to help you create what you want to play so basically on this show we're doing what i did with you three weeks ago and i said hey can we do percy jackson (laughs) yes okay uh masks uh new generation would probably be the best it is a power by the apocalypse you're gonna see i'm gonna go back between a couple people it is different than for those who have played power by the apocalypse does a lot of gritty stuff um i'm sure they will not be the first this will not be the first time we mention them because they have several different systems um, but in, in mass, you are playing teen superheroes um, who have to grapple with the issues of identity, power, adult things. So you got to f- learn to be a kid, deal with your powers, fight adulthood. I mean, that does sound pretty much it. I mean, and you are not defined by your powers. About. Sorry, you're not defined by your powers. You get to do a lot of the things. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the, the beauty of, of The Kids Next Door is that, like, there's that whole show could be as mundane as, like, turf wars in the local public swimming pool, or they go into space and fight aliens. Like, there is definitely no no restrictions on the, the level of crazy that you could do. Um, yeah, and I, I like that. I like how we're pitching this now. The reason I would say Powered by the Apocalypse is great for this is it is. We, we play Monster of the Week, so we've used their systems before. Oh, yeah. um, very open to interpretation. You can put these word, rules in any environment and make it work, which I think is really important to teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Code name Kids Next Door. 
I always just refer to it as Kids Next Door because that's how it would pop up in my yeah. uh, directory because it, the na- full name was too long. Uh, just like how Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends just showed up as Foster's. Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide always was just declassified, which meant that half the time Nickelodeon would actually be showing Degrassi, but I would just like glance at it. Yes. Right? Okay. This is a common experience, right? Like I, I feel I feel like this. Oh, look, it's Ned's Declassified. Oh, not oh, no, again. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like this is one of those hyper-specific things that no one's ever actually talked about because like it's so specific, but like I wonder how many people out there have this exact same memory of thinking you're about to watch Ned's Declassified and it's friggin' Degrassi. And the overlap with those two fandoms, I feel like is like non-existent. Like if you were a Ned's Declassified kid, I feel like you did not want to watch Degrassi and vice versa. We can't attest to the other side of this, but I think we have now both shown which side we are on. I I can't wait for our friends to listen to this and we can confirm whether or not it was just us. Do you think we have any friends who watch Degrassi? We definitely don't have any friends who watch Degrassi. I just want to know if they have the same Declassified uh, vibes. Okay. Um, but Got speaking it. of Monster of the Week, my next, the next one I was thinking of, I think would actually play really well for Monster of the Week, um, which is a show can you I don't guess? know. Yes, you, oh. can, you can. No, Never no, no you please, no, please guess. It's a show I don't know. Well, you know, you know it. We've discussed it, but you haven't watched it. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, <laughs> and you're all playing the monster. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that being a really, I think Foster's would be a really fun one. I think it would be a good one for kids. Cause like, I feel like it would really have to be very imagination based for obvious reasons. Like, cause you'd just be creating your character as an imaginary friend and you could have a really fun time designing what they look like and what they can do. And I think you could have some like fun types. Like now I'm more thinking like Pokemon, I guess, but like, you know, like you have like a, like a big scary monster like Eduardo, or like you can be like, you know, kind of like a gelatinous goo monster, like like blue. Um, I, I think. Sorry, I just of- remember that our the, the fact that there there's many different TTRPGs, um, and some of our friends are looking at Dark Matter, um, in which there's a race in which you are unable to speak because you are just a gelatinous gloop. Once again, adding our producer, Rachel, who is playing our an amoeboid in the game that I'm playing with her. It's brilliant. I'm a robo boy. I'm a robo monk. I just love that she can't talk. We, we worked out a system. She kind of like flooped herself onto some paper. We made it work. <laughs> All right, continuing. What's the show you're going to talk about? The one that I was talking about, which I thought might work well for Monster of the Week, uh, is Code Lyoko. Like, to the point where, like... I'm not 100% sure they haven't created an RPG of this game of this show because I feel like it works like stupid well as an RPG. Um, like the the premise is, I mean, I think the the Monster of the Week aspect would definitely be more of like what the first season of the show was like because they became uh, very serialized after the first season and were focused more on an overarching mystery. Um, not to say that you can't do that with Monster of the Week. I mean, that's what it is. But the, by the, by the the very way that the name Monster of the Week is is um, it lends itself much more to an episodic format where, you know, kind of a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer and shows like that, you know, every new session you fight a new monster as a group of monster hunters. Um, and despite the fact that Code Lyoko is a sci-fi show, I think it has a lot in common with those like Monster of the Week type shows. Um, 
you know, it's every every new episode, especially in season one, it would be the evil supercomputer has possessed a new aspect of technology or society and was wreaking some new chaos. And our band of plucky youngsters have to go into the cyberspace um, and they uh, they have to basically just fight monsters until they can get one character to a deactivation tower that would save the day. Like, it's a very easy form. I mean, I, I love the show to death, but my God, is that a dumb premise that really sounds like it's just a video game? Like, you literally just have to defeat enough of monsters who have incredibly predictable attacks, and there's only, like, five different kinds of them, and everyone knows how you defeat those five specific kinds, and they have a big red self-destruct button on them that if you just hit that self-destruct button really good, they explode. Um, so I feel like it's like already basically an RPG. In fact, I don't know why I haven't written this RPG yet. You know what? After Percy Jackson, I'm doing this. Well, <laughs> I've got good news. I decided what? to see if anyone had done this, and I did stumble upon people talking about this a little yeah. bit. They suggest uh, Numenera or the Cypher system, which I haven't used, but I have heard of. Um, or the Fate system, which is adjacent to Powered by the Apocalypse, Monster of the Week. Okay, that makes you sense. You're correct. Other people agree that that system would work well. That, that, I mean, there was an like MMORPG at one point. Sorry? There was a planned MMORPG at one point. That makes sense. Um, Just so I you mean, know. I don't think Kodioka was ever shy about the fact that it was very much inspired by the rise of online multiplayer games. Um, and, and that's what it feels like. Like to me, like I think a lot of my love as an adult of not necessarily playing video games, but liking watching people play video games comes from me being a Kodioka kid. It is just like watching someone play a video game. Yes, Katie. Someone actually did, it seems, try to run a Kodioka um rpg on the fate system on roll 20 was four years ago okay sorry <laughs> i really enjoy next game will be saturday december 9th 8 p.m cst parentheses four years ago <laughs> amazing i mean i think that that does that just sum up D D. um yeah, I mean, I think unlike, unlike Percy Jackson, which most of our, our typical D&D party uh, has at least passing awareness of, I think it might just be our queer correspondent, Beth, who has encountered Code Lyoko as a child, um, which means I can, like, basically just crib stuff from the show, and everyone will be like, ooh, what a spectacular twist. Ah, Scarlet, you're so smart to have written such a clever such a clever premise and such clever uh, character foils. And I'll be like, heh, heh, heh. This was written by a bunch of French Canadians in 2003. <laughs> That's not fair. They weren't, Fre they weren't French Canadians. I think they were just French French. I think some of the work was done in Canada, but I think also it was mostly done by the French French in, in, over at Canal Plus. Yeah, we don't give credit to the French. Continuing. Do you have any other ideas for things that would be good RPGs? I'm really liking taking what you give me and having to come up with which system is best. This is great to me. I'm having All the time right. of my life. All right. Well, I figured in that case, I might, I might go a little bit more modern and keep the trend of shows you haven't seen. So I guess the challenge now is me describing it well enough to you for you to come up with a good RPG format. So I guess we're playing on challenge mode. Um, you look so happy. I'm so happy that this is I'm having a great time. Show. 
Um, if you want an answer for how She-Ra should be played, it is just thirsty sword lesbians. I will not yeah. be taking any further critiques. No, I'm with you on that. I will not argue that that should absolutely just be thirsty sword lesbians. Um, but the the next one that I I was thinking of uh, was Amphibia, um, mm. which is currently airing its third season, and people should watch it because it's really good. Um, and part of the reason I'm not going to lie is because the show is clearly made by people who like really, really like D and D, and especially the current season feels really D and D inspired. Um, a, a lot of it just like kind of in its storytelling. Like they're 11 minute episodes, and it really does feel like uh, in some in some ways like the recent we're in like the back half of uh, of season three right now, um, working up to the climax of the show. Um, and they're, you know, they're preparing for, for the big battle. Uh, and a lot of shows, I feel like, like the episodes leading up to the big battle are like either filler episodes or they're like kind of fetch quest type things. Um, but I feel like they're like, Amphibia got really good at having it be, you know, very much we're like working out, like we're, we're like gathering allies across this entire like fantasy landscape. And like, we're building up little troves of knowledge, collecting magical artifacts to use in the big battle. Like it, it's hard, it's a little hard to describe. Um, and as I don't know how much of our audience actually plays D and D. I mean, we don't, our audience is small and mostly comprised of our actual D and D group. So I think y'all know, um, but just trust me when I tell you it has very real D&D vibes. There's also all kinds of references to to D&D classes and things. One of the characters in the show uh, is canonically a big D&D nerd. Um, so there's some funny jokes around her and the fact that none of her friends want to play with her, which is a little sad, but she she made she made some newt friends and taught them how to play. So it's it's cool. <laughs> uh, but like there's like even like some like visual language, which like really like there's like the, for example, and then like I said, in, in Amphibia, um, the, the, the Newt characters are very clearly inspired by like either Tolkien or D&D elves. Uh, the, toad, the toads are pretty clearly meant to be dwarves um, and the frogs are kind of like your halflings hobbits. Um, so it, it's already really set up like that. So I humbly, Katie, I suggest that this be just traditional D&D. Really I was going to suggest, and you already have you already have things that you can work into it. You have bullywogs who are frogs. You have grungs who are other frogs. I mean, what, and and like the like just the standard is you know particularly season one the thing to kill in amphibias that uh, while the frogs are like proportionally sized up, um, the bugs are not proportionally sized up. They are way bigger than they have any reason to be. So there's a lot of fighting of they they ride giant moths. They have mothras. Um, they, uh, well, they, spoiler alert, they, I guess they only kind of recently ride the giant moths. Usually they're just being killed by the giant moths. So mild spoilers for that. Um, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've spoiled that relatively small detail. Um, but there's also, there's a sci-fi aspect. They've got like mechs doing stuff in the later seasons. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's a lot of really fun thing you can do. Um, I suppose you could choose to run it uh, with I one or several characters who are humans, like our protagonist Anne in Amphibia, to be that like fish out of water type. Um, but it would probably be more fun to just have everyone be different types of of frogs, toads, and newts. So newts can remove their tails too. That's pretty fun. Mm. And knowing me, I would play a tadpole because I'm I, whatever the D and D equivalent of a cradle robber is. That's what I am. Continuously playing younger and younger characters. Yeah, what are you, what are you at now? Who's your youngest? 
Um, well, I mean, it's a, it, we're counting Jerry. Jerry's as old as Torian at age 12. So that's as and young Jerry, as I got. Yeah, Jerry is seemingly scared. 10. <laughs> I'm a little scared to go much younger than 12 as a D&D character because below that, I feel like I should just have the cops called on me. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'll protest a little bit if the cops come over the killing a 12-year-old character in D&D, but like, I, I, I feel like I would deserve it if they were much younger than that. Yeah. You've only played one character that's larger than a child, and that character was pretty childish at heart. And also three feet tall. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about Go Ghostlima. Oh, yeah, no, he was- Who canonically is definitely not a child because Ghostlima is dead. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think technically once you are dead, you are no longer a child. Yeah, um, you're just a ghost. You're ageless. Congratulations. But but when when Golema was alive, he was he was also not a child. Yes, Gabe. but childish at heart. Um, childish at heart. He was really into owning a spice shop, which strikes me as a very non-child focus. I mean, there's probably some weird child out there who's really into like play acting, running a a, a spicery. Does is a spice shop? I don't know. Me? My question is: when you become a ghost, are you do you stay then the age you died at forever? Are you reborn a ghost and therefore do you stay a baby ghost <laughs> because you cannot age? So you age zero ghost forever? Because if so, Ghostma is your youngest character then. <laughs> you know what? That's a, that's a good question uh, for the ghost in Molly McGee, which I don't think would make a good RPG. But now that you've introduced this concept of like, how old are ghosts? kind of want to just play an entire ghost campaign and i think roughly basing that off the ghost and molly mcgee might work because they have like a whole ghost world with like a ghost system of government and ghost law and we don't know that much about ghost law but yeah i don't have something for ghosts at the moment yeah there's not actually that many shows about ghosts well i mean there's danny phantom danny phantom would be kind of a rad rpg yeah i would go back to masks as my suggestion yeah i mean that's I feel like there is a difference between shows that skew more like a superhero show and shows that will do better as an RPG. And I think, I think the ensemble cast is a huge part of that. Like, I think mm -hmm. like there's a lot of, I, and I think those are like, you know, kind of like the two different kinds of shows. Like, do you have your show with your cool protagonist and their group of supportive friends? Um, or do you have like your, your team up show? Um, and, and, and then I think there's even like the superhero team, which I think also doesn't really work as an RPG. Like I don't, I think there's there's a reason like superhero RPGs in general have not super taken taken off. Like I think there's definitely been attempts um, and I'm sure people play them and I'm sure they're a lot of fun, but I think it's, you know, definitely still a minority of role-playing games are, you know, based on Marvel or DC. Um, that generally seems to, to fit more into the video game world uh, when it comes to gaming. Um, Cause yeah, I don't, I don't know like how you would play like a Teen Titans RPG. Uh, or really even like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Like, I think that, I think everyone is, I, I think the way that the dynamics of a superhero type thing are built, I think it's less of a, it's less of a team environment. It's more every individual cool person wants to show off their cool skills. Um, you know, so I, I'm not saying yeah. it can't be done, but I feel like it's just- it's Ma really Masks is really now the biggest superhero RPG. There aren't, you're correct, there are not a lot. 
there is a Marvel RPG. It does exist. I, I, and I, I'm fully aware they exist and I, I don't, I'm not certainly not going to trash talk them when I've never played them. Um, more just an observation that when it comes to tabletop role play, it seems as if fantasy and sci-fi are the two predominant genres, uh, whereas superhero and action-based seem to be uh, somewhat less popular. I would say action-based, yeah, I guess, you. yeah, you have sci-fi, fantasy, a couple action here or there, usually smaller, more indie ones. Um, and then I would put adjacent um, or in another category, um, mystery. I put mystery. Call of Cthulhu and mystery. Vampire, I don't know where I would put. I haven't played Vampire. It's one I desperately want to play. I would like to play that as well. We should talk offline about doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right, the thing we, that we need is another campaign. But I've, I've, Vampire the Masquerade, I feel like, was always the one that, like, sort of had a dark fascination for me as, like, a child in, like, middle and high school, not knowing any kids who were, you know, into RPGs and not knowing much about it other than what I saw on Tumblr and also being an Anne Rice kid. Like, I feel like that, that helped. See, I didn't know it was an RPG until recently. Um, and by recently, I mean the last few years. I knew it was a video game beforehand because it does also have an adjacent video game series, which is mediocre. I knew about it as an RPG because I knew some YouTubers who would mm. talk about like that had how they had met by playing Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and they like occasionally go into tangents on their show talking about the games they've played. Hi, does that sound familiar? Um, I gotta but, go. But it always. But I mean, I was engaged. I was like, oh, I want to find out more about the the vampire character you played twenty years ago. Like that's kind of fun. They would always talk about meeting in Denny's at like three a.m. to to do their role playing. And I don't know. But Reminds I think me of the time we went to IHOP too early in the day or too er late in the day. It was. And we then did some other crimes. We were in the IHOP in the worst period of time because we were neither there for breakfast when like you know, normal, well-adjusted people go, but we weren't there like after 9 p.m. when like the crazies are there. We were like there at dinner time. We were there at like 7.30. It was dark when we went. Well, yeah, of course it was dark. It was October in Chicago. Yeah, that's true. But like I- But I, we didn't get, I feel like it might've been a little later than that. Cause we, we walked get... two hours back. Like, uh, that's true. So I think, yeah, I mean, I remember I pl I planned that event. Uh, this was a this was a dumb thing we did in college. This was hate. Dumb, excuse you. This was an amazingly dumb thing we did in college. Thank it was, you. It was one, one of the fondest memories of my life, but it was still pretty stupid. <laughs> um, but At yeah, one point, you got pelted I, with flip-flops. I was. I was pelted with flip-flops for, for things that were completely under my own control, and I, I knew I deserved it at that point. Um, mm. Hey, hey. I got a group of nervous 18-year-olds in their first month at college to carry around a flip-flop with them through the dark streets of Chicago for several hours in the middle of October. I a won. A single flip-flop and a pencil. Single flip-flop and a pencil, neither of which they actually ended up needing for anything. I am the yep. queen of hazing. This is yeah, well, because you, the, the two <laughs> of them who were planning kept getting things vetoed because we kept going, you're hazing them too hard. I, I mean, okay, to be fair, my, my co-planner was a much more aggressive hazer than me because my evil scheme was making them carry a flip-flop and a pencil. Like, I, To be fair, the things he got told no on were dumb. It's like his signs were a little too spooky. We were like, 
right i mean no it was it was dumb right no one was there was none of none of this like quote unquote hazing was like ever gonna put anyone's life in any modicum of risk it was more just like this is kind of spooky yeah there were a lot of steps to it was not actually hazing we we went through a lot of steps to guarantee it was not hazing and everyone was safe and could feel like they were in good hands we didn't kill any kids. They weren't. They were in our hands, but they should feel like they were in good hands. Yeah. We, none of us are cursed as far as we know, unfortunately, from that night. You think none of us are? Well, okay. Maybe from not from that night. We're cursed from other things. Yeah. And we are ourselves curses. So, you know. Yeah. Wow. Hi, we everyone listening could... to this, you are cursed. Aha, <laughs> yeah. We did well, it. Well, we could not we stay on track in this episode. No, we, this was worse than usual, Katie. I feel yeah. Like well, we... we'll end the note on. We didn't talk about, uh, there are two systems coming out for TV show, for cartoons. Yes. Um, one of that. which is the Avatar one, which I believe is in the similar vein of Power by the Apocalypse, a D6-based system. Um, and then also just coming out, may have already been released, unsure, uh, is I Tales of Zadia. Yeah, Zadia, Dragon Prince. Both of which make a lot of sense to have. Oh, yeah. Their own systems. I would say Avatar more so because it has a unique magic system. I would say say Dragon Prince is a pretty unique magic system. Yeah, I would have to go back. I feel like it could be, you could have adjusted it before there was an RPG. You could have adjusted a D&D based system or a similar system to complement it. Um, I think Avatar is so far gone (laughs) in terms of. Avatar is its own thing. It's nowhere near anything that we play. I would have to check if I think. There's five. Five rings might have been the closest. I don't know a lot about it, though. Ten I, rings? I do, five I, rings? Mm. I, I do really like uh, with Dragon Prince that the uh, that the magic types correspond uh, so specifically to the different kinds of elves and magical creatures. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's a, you know, visually, it's really lovely to watch, and it really does make you want to be like, ooh, I, like, I want the special abilities I get as, like, this specific kind of elf with this specific kind of magic. Um, and I think you could have a really diverse, fun party. Like, I guess the, the problem with the Avatar RPG is you sort of are limited to only four types. Again, haven't played it because I, is it out yet or is it? It is not quite out yet. We will be playing it once it's out and we'll give you an update. Absolutely. We're going to be playing once it comes out. Um, but yeah, I think, so I think that might be slightly limiting for people who are used to something like Dungeons and Dragons, which has way more classes and way more races. Um, and also Avatar, I think likely will only have one race unless they play around with it um and create racial types um i wonder if i haven't looked into it um yeah i would say you're you're stuck to either being a bender i think it'd be a fun game to be to be at a party of a lot of people who want to play benders and be the one person who plays like the asami it's pretty cool i mean i have no problem with asami i think asami's pretty neat yeah i'm saying that would be fun to be the the person who has the metal gloves yeah. So yeah. No. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to imply that Avatar is limited. I'm sure there's going to be more than enough. Um, but Zadie, I think, will also be pretty cool to mess around with, just because there's like a sheer number of options. Uh, oh, and it's got such a complicated like dice system. What's oh no. Them? Oh oh no. I don't like numbers, Katie. Stop scaring me with numbers. It's a D4, D6, D8, D10, and D12, and it's test, contest, and challenge system. Oh. Well, that's a lot. That that scares me. Yeah, this is not end, one end this that episode you... before you scare me with more numbers. Yeah, this one's a uh, 
This one's got a lot of stuff going on. Oh, there's a stress system. Uh, well, we've we've completely lost Katie to the to the rule book, so I'll have to drag them back into our cartoon time machine. We'll we'll play we'll play. Some I just wanted there. to find the races. I wanted to see all the elves. I just want to find the races, things that you can only say about D and D and not anything else. You're not wrong, but I want to know <laughs> what elves I can play. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to this particular brand of insanity that we brought to you this week. We're really tired. <laughs> we are. We are really, really tired this week um, for reasons. Um, but it was it was lovely for you for listening, and we will see you uh, at our next uh, episode where we'll hopefully have our lives a little bit more together. I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. We're your animates, and we will see you next time. <laughs>